This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Hello, Eagles fans and all of America. Let's try to make you a little bit more mad, shall we? <laughs> Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I managed to make Eagles Nation. Is that what you call yourselves, Joe? Eagles Nation? No, the nation, there's only one nation out there, and that would be Raider Nation. And if you want to get Raider Nation mad, refer to any other team as the nation and then just watch whatever text line or communication device you have set up for your listeners to reach out to you. Watch it light itself on fire as the Raider fans go nuts. And I say that in a very positive way. Love Raider Nation. Nation. Yeah, they're Steeler Nation. Nation, And and in the collegiate level, we call ourselves Gator Nation. Oh, God. I'm not saying no one else uses it. I'm just saying Raider fans are particularly fond of referring to themselves as the nation and then saying there are no. There are no other nations out there. They right. are the nation. Well, I will take on Raiders fans another day because right now I'm I working on the Philadelphia against. market. Well, I think most people would advise me against the Philadelphia market as well. But I had the audacity Agreed. to go on first take today and suggest that Patrick Mahomes is more likely to win the NFL MVP than Jalen Hurts. And Philadelphia fans cannot handle it. So I will ask you, Joe Fortenbaugh, and now you are a Philadelphia fan, but try to be objective for me for a second. Of course, I'm not mad at you. Who is the most likely in the NFL to win MVP this season? Who do you think is the best position to do so? Well, those are two different questions. What I would say is Patrick Mahomes is the favorite to win the MVP. So to answer the question of most likely to win MVP, it's probably Patrick Mahomes. But how else would we like to couch this? There are guys that might be in a better position, for example, based on their pricing. So I tend to look at things from a Vegas point of view, but I can look at it another way as well. One thing you need to keep in mind with this award, there are criteria you need to check in order to win this award. Let's start with the following. If you're not going to be a one or a two seed, specifically a one seed, but two seed as well, you can kiss it goodbye. 14 of the last 16 MVPs have been a one or a two seed. The One of the ones that wasn't was a non-quarterback, Adrian Peterson, when he won it due to that ridiculous season he had. But also keep in mind, you got to be a quarterback. So we can rule out a lot of the league, virtually everybody on defense, everybody that plays tight end, everybody that plays offensive line, you're all out. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks, maybe a running back, maybe a wide receiver can get some consideration. Then you have to be a one or two seed. So whoever checks those boxes, those are the guys you look at first. I, for me, this is a quarterback award. It should not and be Hertz, a quarterback Hertz award. Hurts checks those boxes, by the way. Right. Hurts checks those boxes. Absolutely. But so does Patrick Mahomes, right? And so does, I mean, there are. What was the I conversation on first take? So what the, was the, the conversation? The conversation was who is in the best position to win NFL MVP? And was that going to be Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes? It, it ended up in a conversation. Dan Orlovsky rattled off like 10 players he could see. Winning the NFL MVP. Classic roulette strategy. Spread your chips all over the board and hope it hits. I know that strategy. That's a cop out. One of the topics that they floated for me tomorrow. Now, I don't know if it's happening, but like they send us a whole list of questions. Oh, first take spoilers. The night before, they send us a whole list of questions. And one of them is how many players do you think is in a prime position to win the NFL MVP? And just running through the quarterbacks off the top of my head, there's something like 11. Well, why 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 is the word prime in there? 
That, and I want to. I also want to go back to this conversation you were having. Who's in the best position? Why is it being I think phrased? It's best who's position. in the best position to win it? Well, because I think I think when way? you go most likely to win it, I mean, it's essentially the same thing. But I think they're not trying to do the betting angle that you just suggested. I think they're trying to say like who is in the best situation where they're going to get the NFL MVP. And the reason I argued against Jalen Hurts, which is what made Eagles Nation so upset, the reason I argued against Jalen Hurts... Yeah, he's our boy. ...was because of the schedule. I don't think he's in the best position because now he goes from the easiest schedule to one of the hardest schedules in the entire NFL. He has to play the entire AFC East. He has to play the Kansas City Chiefs. The schedule for the Eagles is chocked full of the most elite defenses in the NFL. And so it's not going to be easy sledding for Jalen to put up the numbers that some of the other candidates who are going to be part of this conversation can put up. I That's what I that. mean by position. I can see that. I, it's, it's it's not that it's he's a, not going to be great. Like Eagles well fans are just freaking out on me. It's I, I well, they love say, their boy. I didn't say Jalen wasn't going to be great. They love their boy, and also advice to you: just turn off the mentions. You don't need to. So this is a, a mistake I made. That's yeah. That's, to let that's you behind the curtain, I've never ever ever do this. I'm like a G at tuning out social media. When you say negative stuff about me, like I just keep it moving. I do not care. I'm not going to give you a platform. I'm not going to respond. Like even some of the really, you know, if you're a woman in this business over 20 years, you're Teflon because you have so much stuff said about you. If you're a woman in sports that you just get used to it. And I'm really good at that. I'm really good at ignoring the negative. I made the mistake today of clicking on first take as like a trending topic on X just to see what it was and and lordy. And let me guess, a lot of society's finest had decided today was the day they needed to get on the internet and let and you say know some what things they thought about of that your blonde on first commentary. Take. I'd like to revisit the Big fact fans. that you just called yourself a was it a a G Mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. making sure mm-hmm. you don't, you don't, that's, that's what yeah, I heard there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say this. I think most Eagle fans would probably be more aligned in my camp where there's going to be noise no matter what from everybody who's got an opinion, not to say it's wrong. Everyone's got an opinion. That's fine. This is that time of year that we all get excited about this stuff. No matter who your fan base is, no matter who your team is and no matter what channels you're listening to or shows you're watching. I think most people would hear that and, and move on. They might, they might disagree. They might agree. They just move on. The people that actually go to social media to let it out, those are the ones that probably need to find some other things to do with their time in order to be more occupied with serious things. But if, if you're an Eagle fan, you should be feeling great about where the team is. You should be feeling great about the play that N'Kobe Dean just made a few minutes ago in this preseason game against the Browns. This front seven is ferocious. The team is stacked. The NFC is not deep. They've got an excellent opportunity to get back there. So when it comes to Hurts MVP chances, who are going to be the top two seeds in the NFC? Like, let me ask you that. Who Who's in mm-hmm. a prime? Let me do a first take here. I'll be a first take producer. Who's in a prime position to get a top two seed in the NFC? Well, I, I mean, I think. I'm sorry. Easy, I'd like to hear from Dan Orlovsky first. The easy argument. Spread the roulette chips. As I think <laughs> the 49ers, right? And the Eagles. But am I going to throw Brock Purdy into an NFL MVP oh, conversation? So suddenly the Eagles are up there. And Hertz does play quarterback. So he checks that box as he well. He checks the box. I didn't say he wouldn't be part of the conversation. I said there's like 11 guys I could see winning it. I mean, think about it. If you're I wonder actually, if there really are 11 that can win that award. No, okay. Not based on some of the parameters that you just said. And That's so maybe, I should, maybe I should rethink 
the this list. But just in terms of who's in a position, right? Not thinking. Who do you got? Do you have this so, list of eleven? Yes. Let me. Ju- well, I'm doing it off the top of my head. But let's go. All right, let's I'll help you with it. it. Go ahead. Okay. So let's Jalen. Right. We'll get him out of the way. Uh, let's go over to the AFC. I think that'll be a little bit easier initially here. So uh, an immediate Josh struggle Allen. as we go to number two. Josh okay. Allen. Allen. Hurts. Okay, these guys are legit candidates. Go right. ahead. Uh, I you could you could argue Tua could be on that list because oh he was statistically so good at the beginning of last season. There was a point when he was in that conversation, given a very short point, but he was statistically phenomenal in the very beginning of the season. I find that unlikely. If you want to knock him off the list, I don't have a problem with it. The Aaron Rodgers went to him before you said Mahomes. I'm just going down the list. I'm just, just I'm just going down. Me. I'm just going down the rankings for all the right. Last so you're season. going through division by division. Yeah, okay, that's, got all, it. that's all I'm doing here. So, right. so, so we got if, Tua. You, if you want to knock Tua off, that's fine. Aaron Rodgers would be on the list. All right. Okay, so Lamar? we're already at three or four. I'll Lamar's, throw the names at you. I have a Lamar's list Lamar's on the you. list. Patrick Mahomes is on the list. Justin Burrow? Herbert's on the list. Burrow's on the list. What about Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence would be on the list. What about Dak Prescott? Yes, on the what list. What about Justin Fields? No. Geno Smith? No. Derek Carr? No. Jared Goff? No. Deshaun Watson? Uh, maybe. Russell Wilson? No. Okay, so now we're getting down to like the 50 to 1 range to win the award. So for the most part, you nailed the guys at the top. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts, Herbert, Jackson, Rogers, Lawrence, Tua. You didn't take Fields. Fields is 25 to 1. He's right there with Prescott and Tua. Uh, Geno Smith, 30 to 1. So how many was that overall? So your how overall list you is roughly on? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I think you were right around 10 or 11. Yeah. 10 or 11. Is what I, which is yeah, what which I is what you had said. So well, nicely how done. many would you have? I think you maybe have... If you told me I could pick five guys versus the field, I would get. I would probably take Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Mm-hmm. I take Hertz. That'd be four. And then if you gave me, uh, get Herbert out of there. Rogers, damn it! Give me Lamar as well. Give me Mahomes. Okay. I'm going to take the whole AFC. Yeah. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hertz, Lamar. If yeah, you gave me that, like that five list. versus the field, I would take those five. That's fair. If I would lose that bet, I'd be very upset. That's actually, I'm not as confident in that as, as once I think about it, I'm not as confident as I, as I let on. We could on do a whole, we could keep going on this. James is telling That's me to wrap we're up against the clock. Uh, we have to something here though. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, what AFC East quarterback has the most pressure this season? We'll get into that conversation as well. ESPN radio is on the app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
better because it has to be. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So we're speaking about fights that I got into today on First Take, Joe. And another one of the topics that was contentious here between me and Dan Orlovsky and Harry Douglas, who were the participants today in First Take, was what quarterback is under the most pressure. And it started off what quarterback in the AFC is under the most pressure And then it kind of diverged into an AFC East conversation, which is interesting. So I'm going to limit you to that because I think that in and of itself is interesting. What AFC East quarterback is under the most pressure this season? It's a very good question because you can make a case for a lot of guys. Even Mac Jones, who people would probably say, based on the four, isn't under as much pressure as the other guys. But he's fighting for a job to Mm -hmm. make sure he can remain as the franchise guy. So in a roundabout way, I'll get back to the question at hand. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers simply because he's going to be 40 in December, and this is legacy-defining. He's doing this right on the heels of Tom Brady leaving New England. We know how it went for Brady. He, it ended poorly in New England. He went to Tampa, and he won a Super Bowl. He controlled his legacy. He delivered in every way possible. He's the greatest of all time. Rodgers, the fallout, the drama, he needs to be productive in Green Bay. He needs to, or excuse me, in New York. He has to have a huge season. He doesn't need to win the Super Bowl. He doesn't need to win the Super Bowl to, to define his legacy. But if he goes there and, and this, this, this train goes off the rails and things go bad and somehow they don't make the playoffs or they just flame out and it's all a complete disaster, that's going to be a stain on the legacy. Still going to Canton, still a first ballot guy. But anyone who argues Josh Allen, Allen's got time. He's young. He's got plenty of time to figure it all out. He doesn't need to get it done now. And for Tua, yeah, there's injury concerns, but everyone's got injury concerns. If he gets hurt and he can't play, that's just what happens. That's life. We've seen it happen to a lot of guys. Bo Jackson's always the first one that comes to mind. What happens, Is that the correct answer? What hap- No. Uh, what okay. happens if Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl in New York, is he better than Tom Brady? Does anybody no. on planet Earth think he's better than Tom no Brady? One's, no one's better than Brady. It's Brady. There right. is no. This isn't the LeBron Jordan thing. There is no conversation here. There's no catching him. There's all. no catching Brady at this point. Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers could not Rodgers. Right, not Rodgers. And Aaron Aaron Rodgers isn't even going to be compared to those guys because those guys are too young, right? Like the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens of the world, the Joe Burrows. Those guys are much younger. Right, they Aaron, got time. Aaron Rodgers is going to get compared to Tom Brady. That's the class of quarterback he's in, and he's not going to ever catch him. Tom Brady has already won that fight. So what he does in New York makes zero difference to that discussion in terms of his legacy. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't win a Super Bowl in New York, what happens? Nothing. He's still in the he's still in the Hall of Fame, Joe. He still has the Super Bowl ring on his hand. He's got four NFL MVPs on his hand if he doesn't win anymore. He's got a Super Bowl Uh, MVP as well. Like nothing actually happens. He's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation, any which way you cut it, whether he wins one in New York or not. So to me, the answer cannot possibly be Aaron Rodgers because I genuinely don't actually think Aaron Rodgers is under under that much pressure. Like he's already solidified his legacy with all the years that he spent in Green Bay. If he doesn't do it here and they don't win a Super Bowl now, it's going to be Robert Sala who loses his job. It's going to be the coaching staff. It's not even going to be Aaron Rodgers who ends up getting the blame for that failure. So then who's the answer? 
So the answer to me also would not be Josh Allen, by the way, for the reasons that you mentioned. So we agree on that point. Josh Allen, too young, too much time left. Nothing actually happens here. He's under contract for years. He's great. He's got plenty of time to do it. The answer in terms of pressure comes down to Tua or Mac Jones in the AFC East for me. And I actually give the nod to Tua. And here's why. Because Tua has to prove that he's durable. The Miami Dolphins picked up his fifth-year option. They did not give him an extension, and nobody talked about it like they should this offseason. And oh, by the way, he was in that same exact draft out of everybody else that got extended this offseason, Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, right? All of those guys got their extensions. Nobody talked about how Tua should be getting his extension because nobody thought he should because everybody understood what the Dolphins were doing, not handing him one, and instead just rocking with that fifth-year option because Tua needs to prove to the Miami Dolphins that he can stay on the football field. It's something we haven't seen him do in high school. It's something we didn't see him do in college, and it's not something that we've seen him do now in the NFL. So I think he's under pressure because, Joe, if he ends up Looking like he's not durable. If he ends up with head injuries again this season, frankly, I don't know if anybody else in the NFL touches him. Like, I think the Dolphins end up having to move on from him. And I don't know if he has a starting job across the National Football League. And the stakes are so much higher than Mac Jones. I also think there's a lot of pressure on Mac because he could lose his job. But Tua either ends up becoming one of these monster, highly paid quarterbacks. If he looks like the guy that he was in the beginning of last season, which I have no reason to believe that he won't be that guy. So right, he either ends up like a monster a paid quarterback. Talk? This has or been going on up... for four minutes. That's not true. This is a TED Talk. I've been but... watching the clock. That's not true. That was like I got three a question. I just need to ask you a follow-up. It was like she wasn't even going to take a breath. Take a breath. Take a drink of water. Explain to me, explain to me how, how can someone be under pressure to stay healthy? He can't control that. If a guy drives his head into the ground and he gets a concussion and he has to sit out, like, what's the pressure there? Well, he's trying to. He's trying. He's taking jujitsu this offseason. Right. right. He's no, trying he's to learn trying new ways to, to not get hurt. But how is there? Like, there's pressure to win. There's pressure to play well. What kind of pressure is the – he's got a lot of pressure to not get hurt. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he's showing up, up – like but, but, I mean, injury is the ultimate excuse. Injury is always the excuse when a guy or a team – doesn't prevail. Like when, when Kevin Durant got hurt for the Warriors and then and Clay Thompson blew his knee out, immediately all Warrior fans, well, I mean, we lost our guys. Toronto's ring is tainted. Like everyone uses injury as an excuse. So why would injury here be the reason he's under more pressure than Josh Allen, who people want to expect to see win by this point, or Aaron Rodgers, who's supposed to be the savior? Because nothing happens to those guys if they don't get it done. If Tua can't get it done... Again, he goes from being a quarterback that would get a monster extension to a guy who doesn't even have a starting job in the NFL. If Mac Jones doesn't get it done, he's no longer a starter in the NFL. Like those guys literally lose their job. I I don't, but I I still don't get the pressure to avoid injury in a sport that's highly because that's my concern with Tua with the winning. I think if he is healthy, he can do the winning, right? But the pressure is there for him to do the winning. But for him to do the winning, he has to actually be available. Coming up next, sorry, Jags and Lions fans. We're going to tell you why your teams will not be winning the Super Bowl. (laughs) Joe and Amber, the podcast. People affected by the Hawaii wildfires donate at redcross.org slash ESPN to help the Red Cross respond and help people recover. Joe Fortenbaugh, find him at Joe Fortenbaugh. Amber Wilson, find me at Amber W Sports ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We've been having a little fun 
We've been making a lot of fan bases angry. It's what we like to do here on Joe and Amber. It's very easy, though, to tell you why your team's going to win the Super Bowl, particularly if you have a good team or a team with expectations. It's a lot more fun to tell you why they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to be a pretty good team this season. The Jags and the Lions, by most people's accounts, two teams that should be pretty good this season. But let's tell you why they aren't going to win a Super Bowl. Why your team won't win the Super Bowl. Oh, no! We suck again! With Joe and Amber. There's a chance we won't win? The Jacksonville Jaguars. So, Joe, kick things off. Why will the Jacksonville Jaguars not win a Super Bowl this season? Two problems. Number one, the offensive line. Number two, the defense. It's not to say the defense is bad, but they lost 14 of 42 sacks from a year ago, which is exactly one-third of their sack production, and they didn't do a whole lot to replace it. Again, they're not a terrible unit, but they did take a hit. They were a good unit to average unit, so I'm not sure if they're going to be good enough to get to the playoffs and stop Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, like you name it. You might need to stop two of those guys in order to get to the Super Bowl. I don't think you have the defense to do it. On the offensive side of the equation, you're starting right tackle Bolton in free agency for Kansas City. You're starting left tackle Cam Robinson is suspended the first four games of the season for a PED violation. So there are some issues there because if Lawrence doesn't have the time to get the ball down the field, what good are having all these great wide receivers? So Jacksonville is good. They're a year away from being a year away. I think they're close, but they're thin. So I see them winning the division and then ultimately bowing out in the playoffs to one of the elite teams. For me, the problem isn't actually defense for Jacksonville. They actually finished the the season defensively pretty good. For me, though, it's how they started the season last season because last season was the story of two different seasons, right? Now, I don't expect that they're going to get off to the slow start again this season, but if they look anything like they did and do get off to another slow start at the beginning of the season, then we have problems with this Jacksonville Jaguars team. I'm relying a lot on Calvin Ridley to help that next step be taken by this offense. This offense already finished, I think, 10th in points last season, and that's with the struggles in the first half of the season from Trevor Lawrence and his squad. We know that Lawrence looks like a franchise quarterback at the end of last season. I'm not going to make him the reason because I have zero reason to think he's going to regress, frankly. I think Trevor Lawrence looks like he's great. But I could see that Calvin Ridley addition not being what we think it's going to be. I mean, I think it was a huge addition, but we haven't seen him play football for a year. So if it's rusty and it's not there... Trevor Lawrence has good weapons. He certainly made them look good in the second half of last season, but they're not great weapons. They're not excellent weapons. We were hoping that Calvin Ridley would come in and get to be his number one. I just think with the Jags too, it could be a little too early. I don't, I think I have them good. And like you said, winning the division, although I think that division might be closer than people realize because I'm one who's still higher on the Tennessee Titans than most people. So I could see the Titans winning the division over the Jags this season. But if the Jags get it done, either way, they're going to run into that competition that you just mentioned. And I don't think that's something that they're going to be able to get past. The Jags feel like a team that is going to be in that mix of a very top team in the AFC in the next few years, next couple of years. It just feels a little soon for that team. What about the Detroit Lions? 
All right, so this is an interesting one because given the state of the NFC right now, as well specifically of the NFC North, it would look that the table is set for the Lions to claim the division. And if the Lions can claim the division, worst-case scenario, they will host a playoff game. I'd have to imagine Ford Field would be quite a hostile environment for a home playoff game. So maybe you end up winning that playoff game and suddenly you find yourself one win away from the NFC Championship game. Now we're cooking. The problem with Dan Campbell, and it's a small sample size, but his teams have started very slow each of the last two years. I think there was something like, oh, 10-1 his first year on the job. Okay, that's fine. It was a bad franchise. But then last year they finished 9-8, and eight, but they started something like 1-6, and six, yep. if I'm not mistaken. That's a problem. you got to come out of the gates a lot faster. The drafting has been interesting. Jared Goff has shown he's good enough to get to a Super Bowl and hang close, but he couldn't win it. I don't have a major case against the Lions. I think there's a lot to like, but ultimately they were a bottom five defense last year. And while they spent the offseason addressing it, I don't know if it will be good enough. Fascinating team to watch this year. I just don't think they're on that level when they run into a Dallas, a San Francisco, or a Philadelphia where they will be able to hang with them. I have a hard time understanding why everyone is so bought in on Dan Campbell as a head coach, frankly. It was that last game and last this, year when they had nothing to play for and they still went out and won it. Like I think that, it was before. That I got think it was, people going. I feel like it was hard knocks. I feel like it was the sound bites. I feel like everybody just likes him because he's likable and he's cool. And so everyone's convinced that he's a great coach. And I don't know what gives them that impression yet, frankly. Now, you're right. In that situation, getting your team to play for nothing and still showing up and still playing, that is a very good sign. And Dan Campbell is that guy who you could see being a great motivator. But again, great motivator isn't all it takes to be a great coach. I'm just not one who has the belief in that coaching staff yet in Detroit. Everybody was very hot on this Lions team last season when we went into the season and I didn't get it. And then they go one and six out of the gate. And it feels trendy again to pick the Lions. Now, I feel better about them this season than I did last season, but I still don't think that they're going to be anything particularly special. Jared Goff really impressed me last season. He's not Patrick Mahomes, okay, he's still more like a game-managing quarterback, but he did impress me because I think we all thought that he was going to fade into oblivion there when he got traded to Detroit. He was good last season. He may be good again this season. There's good weapons on this team. There's some good pieces in place, but there's been a lot of change on this team as well, and not just defensively, offensively as well. I do wonder if that change is going to catch up to them. And if they're going to be one of these teams that we're expecting, hey, they're just going to walk in and take the division and completely forgetting that their competition in that division is a 13-win Vikings team that everybody thinks is going to take a big step back this season, but very well could not take a big step back this season because they still have a lot of a lot of pieces in place. I know a lot of those wins were close, and I know that's what a lot of people base that analysis on. But you're expecting the Lions to take a huge leap, a team that starts every season slow, 1-6, and six, and expecting the Vikings, a team that actually did win 13 games last season, to dramatically regress. I don't know if I feel the same way. The Packers could be better than we anticipate. I don't know what Jordan Love is going to look like. The Bears might be a little bit better. Justin Fields, I think, is great. He doesn't have a ton around him still, but that Bears team could be better. That division could be, I think, tougher than we're realizing. Campbell reminds me of Mike Vrabel, right? Like, he's, he's a former player. He was a tough former player. He's a tough head coach, but he's he's not as far enough removed from the game where he doesn't understand the dynamics of a locker room and how to coach up young guys. Like a lot of the old coaches, they lose that connection with the players, and then when they're unable to relate, they don't necessarily know the best way to go about pushing buttons, motivating, rallying, disciplining, all those things. Vrabel gets it. 
Vrabel's a chef with awful ingredients who finds a way to get you a good meal every single year. I, I think he is vastly underrated for what he does. Campbell could be that guy as well. Campbell could be the ultimate motivator who puts a lot of good coordinators and coaches around him, and they handle their business with a team that's ready to run through a brick wall every week. It seems odd to base an analysis on something so rudimentary and like caveman-like as that, but they showed that in Week 18 last year. Sunday night football at Lambeau Field, everyone knew the way it was structured was terrible because if the Seahawks win earlier in the day, the Lions are dead. And the Seahawks won, which meant the Lions had nothing to play for, and they still kicked Green Bay's ass. And that is a remarkable coaching job to have those guys motivated and ready to play in that spot when they had their hearts ripped out from them just a few years, a few hours earlier. The caveman component is why people like him as a coach. Like you're yeah. right. I mean, that is he's the just analysis. Like a you're true not the, meathead. You're not the only one with that analysis. Like, oh, he's a great coach because he's a great motivator. <laughs> I just think it takes a lot more than that to be an NFL head coach. Like, Vrabel is a great coach. I am with you. And it ain't just because he's a good motivator and because he can relate to the locker room. It's also he's good at the whole X's and O's thing. And that's the portion of it that I don't know if Dan Campbell's good at. Maybe you're right, surrounding himself with the same staff. Largely, the top tier of this organization is still very much intact. Not a ton of change there. Like I said, there is some t- change in terms of personnel on this team. It'll be interesting to see what Detroit gives us. I think they're going to be better than last season. I just don't think that they're going to be anything particularly. Well, hold on. they were nine and eight last year. So right. if they're better than last season, what's they, that look because, like? Because I think they'll get off to, I mean, I, I would hope that they don't start the season one and six again. If they start the season one and six again, they're dead in the water. I could see them being better than that overall, right? But how much better? Like, yeah, they could win a couple more games. Fine. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I'm not suggesting that. But does that make them winning a Super Bowl? Does that make them winning well, a no, conference those championship? Are, yeah, no. Those are like, the two different conversations. There's right. the Super Bowl, and then there's kind of everything else if you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, like, could they make a postseason? Sure. All right. They, you know. they, I mean, the fact that they are week one at Kansas City on Thursday well, night. Yeah, Kansas City, under Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback, five years. In week one, 5-0 and straight up, 4-1 and against the spread, averaging 37 points per game, beating the opposition by almost two touchdowns per game. They are a juggernaut <laughs> in week one. If Detroit can keep that game close and make it competitive, that is a – I know there's no moral victories. That's a moral victory. Coming up next, it is your turn to weigh in. This is when we open up the phone lines. Do you – did we just anger you, Jags Nation or Lions Nation? I know I certainly – angered all the Eagles fans. So if you want to chime in, you can as well. Philadelphia, triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Lines are open. America, give us a call. Triple eight, say ESPN, whatever your hottest takes are. Are you an Eagles fan and you're mad at me? A Lions fan could be mad at us as well. A Jaguars fan might be mad at us as well. Triple eight, say ESPN. 888-729-3776. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. I am Amber Wilson. Do you have an update on the poll that you put on X, Joe? It's a ter- terrible poll. Terrible poll. We threw this out earlier. If you had Pool A versus Pool B in the NFL MVP conversation, which would you choose? Pool A, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. Basically five of the top six guys on the MVP odds board out here in Las Vegas versus the field. You can get every other player. It is unanimous with the exception of one guy. So I guess not unanimous. Everybody has chosen pool. A people are texting me pool. A 
One guy likes Justin Fields. One guy comes in, Chicago Bear fan, Justin Fields. I love to see it. Thank you for adding a little spice, a little variety there, but Poule, unanimous. It's not even close. Not even close. Everyone will take Poule. All right. I gotta, we got we to gotta shake that up a little bit and make it a little more challenging. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I get it. I, I don't hate it. There are a lot of names outside of Poule that certainly I think could be in contention, but Poule obviously is the safest of the names, so it feels like a safer bet to go with Poule. You can find him at Joe Fortenbaugh if you want to find that poll. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Let's play some caller roulette. 13 black odd, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play Call a Roulette with Joe and Amber. It's a game of chance. Let's spin that wheel. Ori. Ori is calling us from Pennsylvania. Hey, Ori, thanks for the phone call. What do you have tonight? Hi. Um... I just flipped to the ESPN radio and I heard you talking about Dan Campbell. Um, you were saying you didn't like the X's and O's of his coaching. And I was just wondering if there was anything specific you didn't like about how he coaches. Like, it's not, it's not so – th- thanks for the call, Ori. It's not so much that I don't specifically like what he's doing. My concern is why everyone is so sold – that he's this excellent coach because I think that analysis relies heavily on who Dan Campbell is, right? As a motivator, as, you know, the meathead aspect of Dan Campbell. He gives us the sound bites. He's fine. He bites off kneecaps. He's football, you know? And, and that, it doesn't make you a good NFL head coach. I have never seen it. Part of my Dan Campbell skepticism does come from his time in Miami, because I am a Miami Dolphins fan. Even as an interim head coach there in Miami, it did not look pretty when I've seen it from Dan Campbell before, Joe. So he won nine games last year, and the Lions have won more than nine games in a season exactly three, two times since Mm -hmm. 1995. So if you go from 96 until last year, there are two instances of them winning more than nine games in a season. So for him to achieve nine games, to go nine and eight with that team, for Aaron Rodgers to leave the division, for the Bears to be getting better but coming off a three-win season, and for the Vikings to be a team that doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence, coupled with the ascension of the Lions, they've gotten better each year under him. I think that's what got – That's what – Well, I mean, yeah, that's how you build a team. You hire a coach. I mean, significantly. You bring in talent. You get better each year, and you get more wins. And he's stacked more wins every year. I mean, when you come in and you go 3-13-1 – and then you go nine and eight, like you've got you got people's You're on attention. Pace. You're on pace. I, I think what frustrated me was where people had the expectations for that team going into last season. I mean, I remember arguing with numerous people. I argued with Keyshawn Johnson about this going into last season. People were really hot. Like the Lions were the trendy pick going into last season. Wait, right? coming off they a three win season, five hundred. Yes. People were doing this like how people are doing this this season to them. Where now they're the sneaky Super Bowl pick. This season, people were doing that to them last season as well. 
Uh, they're an improving okay. team. I'm not saying they're you're on wrong. the right track. I'm just saying I don't remember them coming off a three win season and then people talking about them going to the Super Bowl last year. I was I, that these could be could have happened. I don't fights. I don't necessarily remember. They were on hard knocks, so we probably right. got people fired up just is. from the hard knocks. But I don't 100%. know if the expectations were that high. Yeah. I mean, they're high this season, but they've given us reason to believe that the next if they take another step forward, that's a what eleven win team. That's a formidable team. That's what they should be, I think, based on the talent and the competition this season. There's like there's like other circumstances around it too, because no one believes in the Vikings after them laying an egg in the playoffs last year. Aaron Rodgers left the division. I mean, no one thinks that you know the Bears are going to make a huge leap and win that division. The NFC is terrible as it is, so like almost by default, the Lions with what they were last year coming into this year, are one of the best teams in the NFC, like behind the Eagles and the 49ers. What else do you have? I mean, I, I, I don't know why them too. I don't know why note. we're giving them the nod to the lions over the, the Vikings for one. I, uh, I mean, again, it's the regression it just feels stat from Minnesota. Premature. It feels well, premature, man. Yeah. The Vikings won like a million one score right, games, one score and, games. And so we assume that they can't do it. Right. Again, but here's the proof of the pudding with the Vikings. But here's at least the proof they won the their games. Right. But the Lions. here's the proof with the Vikings. They won 13 games. They hosted a playoff team, a playoff game against an average team. And they got their ass kicked. Like a good team is not going to have the giants come into their building and kick their ass all over the place. If they're legit. Like, a 13-win team is not going to get rolled like that. And that's what happened. That's why people look at Minnesota. They're like, all right, nice story, good team, not great team. And anyone who Which wants to say, well, the Giants were good. The Giants went to Philadelphia the next week, and they got their asses kicked. Uh, I so, think the Giants are going to be pretty good this season, though. Yeah, but what's pretty good mean? Like, how good is pretty good? I think are they the gonna Giants win 11 are going games? to be good. Are they yes. going to win 11 games? Yes. Let's 11 games. Yes. Are, is Dallas going to win 11 games? Well, yes. Not everyone. Philly, can, I don't know well, how. Wait, hold on. So mathematically, this is not going to work out because I'm I know it's start, not going to work out. It's, it's not going to work out. It's easy to shotgun yes, something the up Eagles, there. Yes, can the Cowboys? Yes, can the Giants? Like I can't. Yes. So you're going to have three 11 win teams in the NFC East well, with what you say is a much tougher schedule for the division this year. <laughs> This is where it gets dicey. Yeah, it gets a little dicey at some of these spots. The, the Giants are going to open, I think, six of their first eight are on the road. If they can navigate that, somehow survive that, they could be in decent shape. One of the key benefits for the Lions this year, Jared Goff notoriously does not play well when the weather gets cold. He's from Marin County, which is just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. He played his college football at Cal. He played with the Rams. He's not a cold-weather guy. The Rams, I believe, play one outdoor game after Halloween. That's it. It's like all dome games or home games or whatever. They play like one game that's outdoors. I think it's Chicago in mid-November. That's a big scheduling quirk for them this year. All right, let's just get straight to Ken in Milwaukee because we're up against it. Hey, Ken, go ahead. Hey, I'm I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm right in the middle of Packer country, and I'm a diehard Lions fan. Have been my whole life. I'm 45 years old. I, I love the coaching staff put together. I think Dan Campbell kind of plays into the meathead role for the media, but the coaching staff he has and the players he has, they love him. They play for him. I definitely think the hype's a little bit out of control. We did great last year with what we had. We added some pieces, but to me, it's a big step back with Jamison Williams, Jamison Williamson being suspended and he's hurt again. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's just the hype. The hype train does feel a bit out of control. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.